0: If you're passionate about property investing or thinking about buying your first investment property, then the Property Success Podcast is for you. It's full of tips, tricks, strategies, special guests, and personal development secrets to help you have a better lifestyle, more freedom, and more choice. Okay, good morning, everybody, um, and welcome to my special guest here, Mr. Dave Cordner. Dave, how are you doing? Good,
1: thank you. Thanks for having it's- me.
0: Good stuff, good stuff. No, you're very welcome. I'm looking forward to this. Um, I know it's going to be one of those interviews where people will get a lot out of it because for those who don't know you, and I'll not um, sort of jump on your fire for introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you, but your background primarily is serviced accommodation. uh, And obviously, unless you've been living in Mars for the last 12 months, you won't fail to notice that um, serviced accommodation is one of those industries that have been really badly hit, um, but here you are, you're still here, you're still living. Uh, so Dave, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, your background, and then obviously the, the, the serviced accommodation industry and what's happened over the last 12 months.
1: Yeah, um, so my company is called Central Belfast Apartments, and we offer short-term and long-term service accommodation in Belfast City Centre. So I almost fell into the to the industry Um, my mom and dad used to manage and own service accommodation way way back maybe 15 20 years ago so I sort of grew up in that as like a family little apprenticeship little family business whenever they would go on holiday I would take over and manage all the bookings uh, meet the guests really get my hands dirty doing all the jobs really Um, I used to work in mental health so that was my career path it was very very um, laid out in front of me of what I was going to do. Um, but in 2014, I got the opportunity to buy my own property, my first apartment. Um, so I did that and turned it into a service accommodation and very quickly realized that this was doing it full time was something that I really wanted to do and drop mental health. So
0: sorry, you know, did you say 2014, Dave?
1: 2014.
0: Yeah, I, so you were you were a few years ahead of the curve from when everybody jumped
1: in. I was, but, you know, it was my mom and dad that were the real trailblazers. I mean, they were yeah. doing it when Airbnb wasn't even a twinkle in the eye and you know there was no there was internet but there was no real booking sites as such it was all it was tourism northern ireland and, and your number would be on there and a guest would phone you up and say can I, can I rent somewhere but i mean even back then there wasn't really anyone coming here Or there, was, there wasn't very many yeah um, but there has been a very steep increase since then um so yeah 2014 yeah so it, it was a much smaller market there um and as you can expect, it took off really well whenever I opened um, to, it was so well that I was able to purchase a second property in 2015 mm-hmm. um, and sort of tried to up it a bit. So the first one I bought was a two-bedroom. Um, it's in Maryville Street, which is in the Salisbury area of Belfast, just off the Dublin Road. Uh, I got it for 67500 back then in 2014, um, and that was... It was a bit of a bargain, now. <laughs> yeah. at, it's worth at least twice that now. Yeah. Um, the second one I got then was a bit bigger, so it was a bit more expensive. Um, it was 110,000, and that was in the City Gate building. Oh, um, yeah. So it was bigger, had secure car parking, a much better location, and uh, had two bathrooms. So.
0: Far more both them, central.
1: Far more central, yeah. yeah. So it was it was really great. So with the first one, I'd sort of tried to keep it reasonably sort of neutral colours and and. Appeal to everyone, sort of thing. Whereas in the second one, I decided, no, I'm going to really sort of push this and sort of push the design and try and be a bit different, try and um, stand out a bit more. So I don't know if anyone's seen it, but you can have a look at it on our website. Still one of our sort of flagship apartments. There's lots of yellow doors and there's pink doors and there's a big, huge chalkboard wall from floor to ceiling. Um, So I really tried to just push it to stand out because at that time, well at the time it seemed like more and more people were coming on obviously now there's far more people coming on um but even then i was i was very mindful of trying to differentiate ourselves and stand out and offer something a bit more memorable to try and attract guests good, uh,
0: good stuff so you, you had a bit of ground in there as you say with your parents been in the service accommodation probably uh, an eternity before anyone knew what the word service accommodation meant. Um, I know from from ourselves getting into it in two thousand and sixteen, and that was quickly followed by every man and his dog. Anybody that had a house, they they stopped long term renting and turned it into service accommodation, and it became sort of saturated, if you like. But you've obviously you've been grounded by your your parents in it. Um, did you still did you did you face any challenges in the early days when you were doing it on your own?
1: absolutely i mean in a way it's because it's it's because of the way i was taught to do it so whenever my mom and dad were doing it it was very much a sort of lifestyle business they did everything themselves mm. they cleaned it themselves they did every email to the guests themselves met every guest when they arrived um so it was a hell of a lot of work They were on call 24 7 and i can remember whenever we were we would be on holiday as a family and um the phone would be going and, and you know think there would always be some sort of crisis and when i started and, and took on my ones um i naturally fell into that um way of working as well and like this was my baby i do the cleaning i do the the linen um i meet all the guests and it was tough it was really tough um because it's not it's not really a business if you do it that way if you're constantly on call it's more of a job and you know you've just you're running a hotel basically and you've got every job in the hotel and you're on call all the time so that that was something that i really struggled with in my family as well so my my now wife, we would be going on dates at the weekend, and the phone would go last minute booking. I'm standing outside, I need in, and we'd be like, "Oh, geez, right, okay." So that was really tough at the start, and I think that's something that people don't always realize when they fall into it. They think service accommodation is is straightforward and easy, especially if they've maybe come from a from a long term tenant type of situation where they maybe yeah. have an estate agent or a letting agent to deal with a lot of those things, or if if they're even managing it themselves as a landlord, that tenants maybe don't. As much as a as a guest, a, a paying guest is a very demanding yeah. customer,
0: and, um, and it, has, it has to happen right now. It's, it's not like uh,
1: well, it's, it's true because they could only be here for two days, you know. So yeah. then I'll get that fixed next week. It's not going to cut it. Um, yeah. So yeah, you're on call, and and you have to be like a sort of concierge almost for people. Yes.
0: As Robert Kiyosaki says, um, you don't own a business; you own a job. Yeah, you know, like you've just said there, you you were the you were the admin assistant, you were the booking yeah. clerk, you were the maintenance guy, you were the meet and greet person, you were you you're just the, the, the you're everything, absolutely yeah. everything. Um, and and when I think about ourselves, that was that was our experience at the beginning. You know, we started off with one and sure as eggs were eggs, Saturday night, as soon as you put your feet up and poured a glass of wine and took your first mouthful of of the glass of wine, the phone would ring from the neighbours to say that somebody was playing the music too loud or it seemed as if there was a party going on and you had to drop everything and go. um, Which was, you know, people think that it's an easy job but it's not. You can make it easier but when you're in
1: there doing everything yourself um, it's... Yeah, I mean, it is good. I think it is worth doing because I think you need to know the business inside out for a start if you're going to get a cleaner in, you need to know how long it takes to clean it you know if you've cleaned it yourself you know you know the bits that are easy to forget easy to miss so that you can tell a cleaner that um you know if for example your beds are particularly hard to make or you just you you just become more immersed in it so you you become much better at um, being able to then systemize it to get someone else to do it than if you were to just start from scratch and and um, try and run it that way. So it is useful to be in there and get your hand dirty at the start, but it has to have the end goal of yeah. systemizing that and getting that shipped off to someone else to do.
0: So talking about systems then, what did you implement? Because I would imagine back in 2014, Airbnb and Booking.com, if they existed, they weren't maybe to be anywhere near as big as they are these days.
1: No, they certainly weren't, although they were <coughs> still the main source once they came along. You know, I think back then, There was only us and maybe um, Malone Lodge apartments were built there on, I think Eglintine or something. Mm -hmm. So they were like set up already because they were a big unit. They were almost like an apart hotel sort of thing. And uh, maybe Cordia were around back back then as well. So there were some people there, but not not so many. And even Booking.com were a bit confused about where to put us and should we even be allowed on the system because these sort of self-catering units were used to be out at the beach or something like that. And ones Mm -hmm. and twos, not in the city center location. Um, so it was good to get on there and, and I think you have to get on every, every booking site going, um, in terms of systems. I mean, the first thing I did was get rid of the cleaning, stop me doing the cleaning because, (laughs) but I remember saying to my dad at the time, I'm going to employ cleaners. So I owned two apartments at the time. And, uh, I said to him, I'm going to get cleaners in. And, uh, I think this is maybe a generation thing, but he was like, why, why would you waste money cleaning? Sure. It's easy. You could do it. I'm saying, well, I know it's easy, but that's why anyone can do it. And that's why someone else should do it because the two or three hours of my time is better spent doing something that yeah. someone else can't do very well, like Absolutely. adjusting the rates or, um, yeah. you know, working on a brand or something like that. So I think those leveraging out tasks are, are the most important things that you can do. Yeah, The cleaning um, and everything like the linen. So again, my mom and dad, they used to wash all the linen and stuff. So, very quickly you know it's unbelievable the amount not only of time that takes but space it takes like they had one of these huge big hotel roller um, iron things um and it was just you know you can you can hire this stuff for for so cheap yeah. um, that it's it doesn't make sense because yes you might be saving money you might be saving 25 pounds on a clean for example but what's your time worth
0: Yeah, I was going to say there, you know, if you had a target of earning 50 quid for every hour you worked, you're not going to do that by spending an hour of that time doing what could be looked upon as being a £10 an hour job, such as cleaning. You know, and people, I think that's the way we're brought up. We're brought up to focus on saving money uh, and you save money by doing work instead of paying somebody else to do it. But as you said, you know, you could you could be spending money adjusting the rates and and looking at the times when to push your rates up and when to lower them to maximize your your occupancy. Um, and but some people just don't get it. I mean, leverage is one of those keys to getting um, wealthy, if you like. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get wealthy by doing every single job yourself.
1: Um, Absolutely, and you know, it got to the point where. I read that and I read Rob Moore's book, Life Leverage on my honeymoon Mm -hmm. actually. And it sort of really changed things for me in my head. And I decided there and then that, no, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to work for money. I'm not going to exchange my time um, necessarily for money. I want the business to run itself without me there. Um, So I sort of set upon, right. I need to systemize everything and leverage everything. Um, And ultimately that meant from housekeeping up to actually getting, getting other staff in the business that could, to, could do the jobs that I'm doing, even these higher skilled jobs. I could train yeah. them and, um, and and teach them to do that. And once I realised that, I realised, well, okay, other people could leverage me now with with my skills and experience, and and I could sort of I could see a business sort of um, forming, uh, and that's how the company has developed into a management company.
0: So that that, that was that was because, my next question. Was so you were you were managing a couple for yourself. Um, and then you decided, or, or I assume you decided then to start managing other people. So how did, how did that take off and how did that go?
1: Yeah, so as I say, back by, by 2015, I was running two of my own um, and my mum and dad were still running theirs. And the way I was doing it, I, I looked at it much more as a business sort of thing and profit driven and revenue, um, whereas they were much more, because they were doing all the jobs they wanted an easy sort of life. So they would be going for maybe cheaper stays, longer stays, less hassle, that sort of thing. Whereas I was very much driven on the numbers and you know, let's make this as profitable as we can. So my two were, were, were vastly outperforming theirs. Um, and I could see that I was, I knew what I was doing. I was learning quickly and I um, had a, a sort of more maybe motivated attitude. Um, and so the next logical step was to take on theirs So I didn't explain that properly. So they actually, they bought their first one with their, my dad took an early retirement, took his pension early and decided to invest in property and thought, oh, we'll try it as a a self-catering. And it went so well, they ended up getting one more and then another another one. So they had three in total, but it actually worked out that they both were working harder and more hours when they were retired than when they were in full-time employment.
0: Um,
1: Because it is tough, especially if you're doing everything yourself. So the next logical step was to take on theirs. So that was, the, that was, that was what happened. And I took on the management of theirs and um, changed some things, brought them into our brand, improved them slightly, and off we went. And um, I just could see that it worked. This, that worked for both parties. It worked for the client who basically had nothing to do and just got um, quite a good income from it. Yeah. And it worked for me as well as a management company that we were able to take a small commission of the income from the bookings and just in, envelope the, the properties into our brand and it would fall nicely into our systems, particularly the, their three that were all in the same area as the one yeah. I already managed, they were just around the corner. So it was a logical step to sort of um, take on other people, other people's properties. And it really is the key to enable us to sort of scale. Um, mm-hmm. and and were, were,
0: were these people new to the service accommodation business? So you find people that had property and you converted them into serviced accommodation providers or was it existing or maybe a bit of both?
1: Yeah, it's a mixture of both. So, and that's quite difficult for marketing as well because there are two customers really. There are people who maybe they don't actually have a property but just want to go straight into service accommodation and have the money there and maybe need a bit of advice on which property to buy, which area works. Um, or they have a property with tenants in it and they're either having issues with their tenants or they just are fed up with them and can see that there's much more money to be made and serviced and therefore kick the tenant out refresh the place and give it to us or the second group are the people who have gone into it thinking this is easy this is no problem yeah. <laughs> you know Airbnb's a gift and then they get into it and they think oh my god they get too many of those calls on a saturday night when they've had yeah. a glass of wine and they're just what have I done? or or they've tried it and it, they're not getting the, the income that they thought they would get, and it's just a yeah. bit too much trouble. So that um, they can maybe see us, and they just uh, we give them better help with it. I so mean, I, kind
0: of- I, I, I always saw or foresaw back in two thousand and probably two thousand and seventeen when you know we had a few properties and everything that we had, we looked to turn it into service accommodation. I knew at one point this is becoming saturated, and not all properties work okay, some of them might work at this particular time. People were renting or servicing properties in parts of Belfast, and I thought, no one will come and stay there. But but long-term, it wasn't sustainable, and I knew that over a period of time, a lot of people would drop out of it. Um, I thought that a lot of people would stay to, you know, the likes of the, 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 the British Open came in 2019, and that was like the last hurrah. Once that was gone, I think, people st- even before COVID, people started dropping out of the market because... It just become you know like it was a, a shark infested water if you like you know far too many people with substandard properties and um, staying in places that you know i don't know I, I don't think half the people that were coming to stay in them realized the areas that they were going to stay in and yeah, um, that's true and, and what so from a long-term point of view what what did you think at the time when when it was saturated? Where did you see your business going? Did you fear for your business, or do you think, no, I know what I'm doing here. You know, I can outlive these other sharks that are running around doing it.
1: Yeah, well, I very early on could see that more and more people were coming in, and at the start, it made me nervous. And that was, you know, looking back, there would maybe be about twenty percent of what they're what there were right before COVID. Um, but it did make me it did focus me and think, right, okay, I have to stand out here. I have to find a niche. We have to be able to differentiate ourselves from the others to, to sort of stand out. Um, and literally that to go back to the, to the second property that I had, that is when I started to do it because you'll know yourself from having a um, service accommodation. When you're sort of looking at your rates and you're looking at your competitors, you put in sort of sample dates and the things like booking.com and it might come up like a hundred 100, um, search results and you just scroll through and a lot of them look the same. So what I was trying to do was stand out in whatever way I could. Now there's so many different ways you can stand out. You can stand out by being the cheapest um, and, and people who are the cheapest will get booked first, often, um, or you can stand out of being just the most memorable. So that's why with the second one, I went to town, pink doors, yellow doors, huge chalkboard wall, which had written all over, welcome to Belfast, had that as my main photo. And I sort of wanted, I had visions of families looking for accommodation and scrolling through with their family and the kids going, oh, that one with the chalkboard wall, that one, that yeah. one, the memorable yeah. one. Um, and that's what I was trying to do is to just stop people in their tracks when they're scrolling. Um, and the other thing is like reviews. I think that's a big thing that, that yeah. capture people's attention. So if you can sort of hit, if you can be the best at any of those things, now being the best at being cheapest isn't hard to do, um, but it does work. But the, the issue is anyone can go and be the cheapest and then you get into a race to the bottom um, when everyone's trying to be the cheapest and you're competing with each other. So, I mean, I've always said you could you could rent out a garden shed in Belfast and people would rent it, but it has to be at the right price. Um, um, so in Belfast, yes, there were more and more coming on. What what we try to do is differentiate ourselves and stay ahead, be memorable, um, have some sort of... Um, consistent brand that people would recognize and hopefully see that our properties were dotted throughout those search results, but they would say, okay, that's another one of their one, that's another one of theirs, and sort of build that trust in people. Um, But there are a lot of uh, maybe substandard stuff out there, but the issue is, again, that's one of my catchphrases, there's nowhere to hide from reviews because anyone who comes and stays and isn't, isn't happy with either the location or the finish or the service they get will leave a bad review
0: um, how, how do you deal with bad reviews, Dave? That was what I was going to ask you.
1: Right. Uh, so bad reviews, first of all, is trying to stop them before they happen. Um, so it's important not to not to try and trick people into booking with you. So don't be taking those fisheye photos where the place looks enormous. And then when the guests arrive, it's tiny, because straight away, they'll be disappointed. Yeah. Um, try and offer an exceptional service when they're there. So if it's Saturday night and you've just had your wine and they're phoning you to say TV remote needs batteries. Well, go down and put new batteries in it. Um, Then also whenever other things go wrong, because things do go wrong and and guests, I think, accept that and understand that, but it's about how you react to it. So sometimes something going wrong can be a good opportunity for you to, um, give good customer service and, and turn oh. a potentially negative problem into something positive that will lead to a good review. What, do you what I
0: find, of- sorry, to just to cut across you there about reviews that, you know, 9.5 was fantastic. You know, if you've got a 9.5 uh, average um, review on say booking.com, you know, the difference between that and say 8.5, you know, only, only one point was yeah. You know, unbelievable. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it used to frustrate me with some of the reviews with people, you know, like people from a certain country would say if if say if it was a one bedroom apartment with one bathroom, they would leave reviews like the toilet was in the bathroom. And, and I used to go, well, where do you expect it to be? But maybe in other countries, the toilet is actually separate from the shower. So if somebody's in the bath and somebody needs to go to the toilet, it, you know, it doesn't. You know, they can't do it at the same time. Um, and yeah. It's trying to understand what people expect from, from different places. You know, Absolutely. People, people from the Far East were coming here in wintertime a day, like today, which is 10, 11 degrees. It's mild, but they'd have the heating on at 30 degrees, you know.
1: Yeah, there are lots of sort of cultural um, quirks that you sort of get, you, you, you become aware of. So, for example, yeah. visitors from Australia would always, uh, or not always, but would regularly comment or or um, say, complain, or leave a bad review that there wasn't a top sheet. So it's sort of standard over here that we would have just a sheet on the mattress and then a duvet. Yeah. Whereas Australians quite like a, another sheet underneath the duvet. Um, okay. And so that would frequently come up. But so how would you
0: up. how would you deal with that if if say the the Australians were complaining that there wasn't one and somebody else was complaining there there Sorry, the Australians was complaining there wasn't one, but somebody else was complaining that there was no need for one. It,
1: it, yeah, but, well, I think in that, it, normally in those cases, we have to go with the majority. So uh, the majority of people don't really care about the top sheet. So our standard uh, bed linen would not include one. But if an Australian was to come and say, oh, you know, we always ask every guest when they've just arrived, look, are you happy with the place? Is there anything you need? If there is anything, please mm-hmm. let us know and we can bring it round. We want you to have a great stay. And that would be the opportunity then that they would sort of say, well, actually I could do with the top sheet. So we would just go and bring it around. And that's not, yeah. it's not an issue. But again, by asking that at the start, yeah. you've sort of offered them the chance to tell you if they're unhappy and then you've provided a solution right at the start, as yeah. opposed to if you hadn't have asked, they might've not, com- not communicated it because it's not that big a thing you might not have known anything about it until they left the negative review at the end, so. Yeah,
0: well, and, and as you say, you don't know anything about it until they left the review and that can cause you, you know, a bit of pain further down the line. Well, it can cause you pain from people not booking, uh, but you don't know that people didn't book because yeah. they, 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 they saw a review that you could have dealt with at the time, which, you know, it's, um, it's cutting people off at the pass and solving the problems before they actually arise. Um, which a lot of people wouldn't think of doing so you y- started to grow the business do you mind me asking what sort of numbers you're managing at the minute
1: so pre-COVID I'll give you the before and after so pre-COVID we were at about 40 40 properties um, and we were on to bring in about 1.2 million in booking yeah. revenue for our clients like we would have just took a percentage of that that was for yeah. our clients to get so our maybe I should give a, a brief model a brief intro to our business model so we manage on the client's behalf so yeah. the income that comes in is the clients and then we just take a small percentage of that and that's the income we make so the business is theirs effectively um, so yeah 40 properties projecting 1.2 million uh, and then COVID hit a few months later um and it was a really awkward position then because our clients we aren't paying them a fixed monthly rent this isn't rent to service accommodation or rent to rent yeah. When they win, we win. When they lose, we, we lose, we lose. together. So yeah. it went from they were getting really tidy incomes um, to, okay, there's potentially no income coming here from for your property. So understandably, a lot of our client, well, not even a lot. We lost a lot of apartments, but they were only from a few clients. Um, and they sort of said, look, we have a block of 12 and another block of five here. We need, we need some income from these properties. So they temporarily... Um, put long-term tenants in there. So we're hopeful to get those back this year. So they put them in for a year. Yeah. Um, hopefully get those back this year. So we lost about half of our properties. We're to about 20 now. Um, so it was it was tough to take at the time, you know, in March, yeah. April, when this was all happening and there were some really difficult phone calls, um, some difficult days there. But um, so
0: just jumping back there, Dave. So say like a year before COVID, so let's say March, 2019, what, what were your goals for the business then? Obviously to keep growing it, but were, were there any specific goals that, that you had?
1: So before COVID, yeah, March, 2019, um, we were still quite in our infancy. We, we took on, um, I think we were at maybe uh, 15. We were certainly less than 20 in 2019. So we've almost, do- we almost doubled every year in size, you know? So it was like three, two, then five, then, um, 12 and then I think about 15 and then we got a block of 12 uh, which really took us up to, to 40 so the goal was to just keep growing um, and yeah. for 2019 it was to get the 50 apartments and we just missed that in 2019 for 2020 it was to get to 100 um, and we obviously missed that and Shrank. Um yeah. but the goal is to just keep growing in terms of the actual business and um, what I really want to do is make a dent make a dent in Belfast you know really make make a name for ourselves and be the sort of go-to company for service accommodation, be like a brand that people can trust. Um, so we've got, we might have locations all over the place, but people, I would like people to know when they're looking on booking.com or on our website, if they see our brand, they'll see the reviews and they know they can trust us really. And um, yeah. um,
0: if you don't mind me asking, and I know that you you employ the services of a coach, um, was that because of what was happening with COVID? Is that something you'd planned to do? You know, was it a sort of, oh my God, this, you know, what's going on here? I need somebody to help me figure out what's going on and how I can move forward. What what happened there, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Yeah, so it was that last one, actually. So um, in the summer of 2020, whenever um, everything had sort of calmed down, if you remember, we had a decent enough summer. Yeah. I, was actually, I actually got away on holiday to Portugal. So I was on holiday and I was sort of doing a bit of, Soul searching and thinking, right? You know, what's happening here? Am I gonna just lie down and let this beat me or and fold, or am I gonna try and re-energize myself and and come out of this running? You know, hit the ground running whenever we open up. And I decided that was the that was the approach I wanted to take because I knew from speaking to Booking.com and the other big booking sites that so many of our competitors had just exited the market. They just thought, "This isn't. I'm not sticking around for this. We're done. We're gone." And I knew. Um, there's that saying I can't remember the exact quote of it but it's like it's when everyone's retreating that's the time to move forward and that's that's sort of what I was thinking I, th- I think
0: it was Warren Buffett that said when everyone's being greedy you should be fearful and when everyone's being fearful you should be greedy yeah. so yeah y- you spot that opportunity that
1: that's when the opportunities are where are there exactly. when everybody starts to run for the hills exactly so I knew there was serious opportunity coming yeah. outside of covid and there was a chance to really increase our market share and and really as i say our goal is to make it dent. so i had got a bounce back loan i decided right i'm going to be smart with this i'm going to invest it i'm not going to yeah. hold on to it i'm going to use it and and do some good with it so we um updated our branding which was a few years old we got our new website done much slicker and, and nicer now um, and Started producing some killer video content as well because at the at that time no one was really doing it. The tourist board and um, visit Belfast they completely pulled back and all their budget, all their marketing spend was done was was closed, um, and no one was really talking about Belfast coming out the other side of this. So I decided to do that, um, and the the last thing was a coach. So I don't know. I mean, people run their own business. Maybe watching this, it can be a lonely sort of thing. You, you sort yeah. of there's no one to really bounce ideas off. You can't talk to the people, well, you can talk to the people in your team, but they maybe don't have the same strategy, sort of high level thinking as you do. And, um, and, and
0: plus, plus the people within your team see what's happening around uh, you know, around them and around your business and they're probably fearful. So, yeah, you know- It's
1: through it, a filter, yeah. So Yeah, it's, it's, a it's difficult to bounce
0: those ideas off them, you know, and uh, the reason why I asked you is because- Nine times out of ten, when some when things start to contract, people start to cut. You know, like I, I think maybe that's the time to maybe increase your advertising budget, or or get a coach, or or do the things you were thinking about. Because for the reasons that everybody else is running for the hills, and there's mark there's there's a market there that needs to be sort of snapped up. Uh, you know, and, and I think it's it's a tough decision to be in that position where you know one point two million of turnover. And as you said, it what it, it halved. That you know, at the stroke of a pen, um, and and all of a sudden you're you've the mindset and the wherewithal to think I need a coach. I'm going to go and spend money on a coach. I think it's a it's just it's a brilliant idea, and it ticks, ticks a lot of balls to do it because other people around you would say no, not now not the time for spending money on a coach when no. actually it is.
1: The, the income actually more than halved, you know, so we halved our properties, but obviously the properties were mostly closed for the year, so oh, yeah, the income yeah, was yeah, massively yeah. richest. But um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm one of these people who, unless I'm doing something to make myself feel better, that's when I get stuck in my own head and I sort of think, yeah. I need to feel like I'm taking action, that yeah. I'm moving forward and that I'm sort of doing something. Maybe it's a man thing. I know people say, man, I always want to try and fix things, but that's that's sort of where I am in my sort of emotional um, headspace that if I feel like I'm taking positive steps and action to sort of tackle something that I can sleep a lot better than if I just sort of sit there and let it wash over me and, oh my god all this, this stuff's happening to me um, so I think it definitely helped me get through that get me focus and um, real confidence that I mean I knew uh, we all know Covid's going to end we mm. all know Belfast is still going to be here at the end of this and we mm. all know people are still going to want to come here for loads and loads of reasons and like I think Belfast is so perfectly placed to deliver more than any more than a lot of other cities in GB for example so I knew the market was always going to be there for visitors I knew the competitors market was going to be smaller because so many people had exited so I thought right I'm not just going to sit around and do nothing until this is all over and then sort of limp out of lockdown and be like oh hi we still got properties I really wanted to sort of come out with a bang and so hit the ground running yeah
0: yeah um so that was your goals before covid obviously all these things happened what are your goals now dave where you you know you've said that you can see light at the end of the tunnel and where i would say you know probably going to be open again sometime around april may i'm not sure but uh, what's your goals moving forward from this point
1: yeah so i i would hope we're open by april as well and going by Boris's announcement uh, on Monday there. That's the figure they have, or the date they have for England. I think um, one household can go and stay in um, self-catering or service accommodation from 12th of April. And I would hope and hopefully expect that we would fall in line here around the same time. And we've certainly seen that reflected in bookings, the the, the confidence that that statement has given has just been out of this world. Bookings are flying in for the rest of the year. So the goal is to continue to grow. I mean, we actually took on properties during the lockdown. Um, so people had sort of been thinking about it pre-lockdown and we'd had the conversation that shelved it for a month or so and then they thought to themselves no look this is gonna we are gonna get through this yeah. um, so they were able to do the renovation during lockdown and um, we were open by I think um, summer for a lot of them as well so the goal is to keep growing minimum goal is to get back to where we were maximum is still to grow over over 50. Um, in terms of the company I would like us to really cement our brand in, in the city and in Belfast and become almost like a go-to place for tourists, to, the tourist information almost. Um, I wanna continue producing video content um, and sort of highlighting Belfast and Northern Ireland and it's in its best light. I really enjoy doing that. Um, and yeah, just keep growing. I think Belfast as a whole, Belfast as a city is really on the crest of a wave here. It's still in its infancy in terms yeah. of tourism you know, yeah. like we're talking about 2014, that's not even 10 years ago. You look at places like Dublin, Edinburgh, Glasgow, they obviously didn't have troubles. So they their tourism is 30 years ahead of us. People have yeah. always yeah. went there. People are still only coming to Belfast for the first time. So we are in a real unique position to capitalize on that. We have some unbelievable stuff in this city that's never going away. We've got Game of Thrones, the yeah. troubles that people are cashing in on now. Yeah. Um, titanic you know people want to come and see this stuff far, you know, with far more stuff to see than yeah. somewhere like dublin not the slag off dublin but you know um
0: I yeah i mean for this for dublin, the size of belfast compared to dublin i
1: think belfast has got as much to offer as dublin has and dublin's way and, way bigger than it and and dublin is like you're talking about saturated dublin is saturated with tourists You know, I think people love to come to Belfast. They go into a bar and there's actual Belfast people sitting beside them. There's not like other Americans sitting beside them.
0: Yeah, yeah. They
1: love that. And the people as well. I think people who live here are still, whenever they meet tourists, they're still a bit like, what are you doing here? You know, they're still a bit surprised. But whenever the person tells them what they're doing, they're like, oh, you should go here and try this wee bar and do this. And, And the tourists and visitors absolutely love that. They'll lap it up. Um, And and
0: nothing's really more than about an hour and a half away from Belfast. You know, even to the Lecklands of Fermanagh, you know, you fly into Belfast, you stay in Belfast, you can go to the Causeway, you can go to Derry, Londonderry, you can go down to the Leklands, Fermanagh, you can go do the Game of Thrones tour. You know, nothing's really more than an hour and a half away, you know. And and to people, in Northern Ireland, a lot of people think an hour and a half travels a lot, but, you know, people travel an hour and a half each way to work every single day around London.
1: We we had a... thought. Australian family come and stay and they asked how far away the causeway was and we said quite far it's about an hour and a half hour 40 minutes and they said my front gate's farther away than that yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? like it's once you get into places like america and australia yeah. like it's fast so, so
0: like the, this is the, just the, Auss- the aussies are like aussie farmers with aeroplanes to go and check yeah. on their, their cattle and stuff like that yeah it's it's just um i've, I've heard it myself you know people saying yeah it's Belfast. It's, it's you know, it's, oh, it's about thirty odd mile away. Yeah, 30 odd mm-hmm. mile away is nothing. Absolutely yeah. nothing. Um, so you've obviously had a few challenges with 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 COVID. You're st- you're still here. You've got goals. What about on a personal point of view? Have you had any challenges from a personal point of view that you want to share with with the listeners?
1: Um, well, it was a, it it was tough. I have to say it was tough in April because um, when when we've scaled our business on other people's properties um, there was some dark days there where i was worried is is this all going to come crashing down is everyone going to just you know rent the properties out long term because the vast yeah. majority of our income comes from other people's and um, and thankfully that didn't happen some of our most of our clients stuck in with us through there. And obviously we were officially closed for a lot of it, but then we were allowed to reopen in the summer. And some of our apartments had their best ever August, for example, like ever, best ever August. Um, And even now during the current restrictions, we're closed to leisure visitors, but we're open for business and essential travel. So there are still bookings coming in, but certainly uh, uh, there was a tough few a tough a few sleepless nights how, how did you get
0: through that tough period there what, what, what sort of things did you tell yourself that other people could use to to get through similar well sort of tough times
1: i had to just focus on what i could control so yeah. and I, again i think that's the thing that that's what you struggle with because you can't control your clients and what they want to do with their properties if they want to take them back that's their prerogative we don't sign anyone into a contract or anything so they can go if they like um so it was really just focusing on what, what we could control and i think that was that was part of what led into um, trying to invest this bounce back loan into right, okay, we're gonna be the best thing we can be whenever we come out of this yeah. and take positive, positive action. Um, it was good back then that there was some good weather as well. I've got two young kids that were able to sort of keep me distracted, a uh, very supportive wife as well that was able to, to, to land in here, but um, certainly it was tough back then. But yeah. in the grand scheme of things, there are people out there who have had it a lot tougher than than we have. Oh, absolutely. Pandemic, so.
0: so, so one of the key things there is is keeping focused. Um, that things and 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 I think something I heard you say there, uh, in a roundabout way, was trusting yourself that you can grow the business and you will get back to to where you were. Um, because people are leaving, and you have faith in your own ability to, to grow the business and move forward, and and you know still be different and still attract new guests to. The business where it needs to go in the future. Um, Absolutely. from it, so from a, from a personal point of view, do you have any morning rituals? What, what does Dave Cordner do when he gets up in the morning? Does he get
1: up at five? Does he get up at six? No, I'm none of this 5 a.m. No. But, <laughs> so, as I say, I have two young kids, one's three and one's one and a half. So, morning rituals are quite difficult, but um, one thing I always do is um, gratefulness. So, I got uh, someone on LinkedIn that saw posted about it as a, a book, a diary called The Six Minute Diary. Um, so it's three minutes in the morning, three minutes in the evening, and in the morning you talk about things you're grateful for, and um, it just really sets you up for the day. It talks about you write a positive affirmation. You talk about um, how you're going to make today great, and it really just sets you off on a on a on a good good foot forward. So I don't look at my phone or anything. So what'll happen is the kids will come in, bounce on the bed, wake me up. I'll do that first, and then we'll get up. And then at nighttime we we'll do that as well. Um, so at, the, at nighttime it talks about um talk about three things that were that were great during the day and again it really sort of more grateful and mindfulness to sort of set you into a good frame of mind going to bed so you're not worrying and letting things fly around your head Um, and then we do a bit of mindfulness meditation as well so that's that's come relatively recently so um in the last year or so um previous to that it was just very much get up and get at it sort of thing Um, but yeah, it's it's, I, it's really difficult
0: I, the these I, things with kids. Yeah, I know it's it's, <laughs> it's difficult. Uh, thankfully, mine mine is now growing up, nearly eighteen. But um, you know, I, I used to I used to do this kind of stuff like the the meditation and, and the affirmations and, and you know the positivity and stuff like that. But then I found when I started it and I didn't do it, I started to beat myself up about it, and, and then ended up not doing it. Whereas now, like you know, I keep a journal and. Uh, I know in the past when I kept the journal, if, if I missed it for a few weeks, I just chucked it away in the cupboard because I thought, oh, what's, what's the point? But now I don't, I just keep the journal sitting there and I might not touch it for two weeks. But then I pick it up and I write in the journal what I think happened to me and what was good, what was bad, what was indifferent over the last two weeks. So I think it's, I think it's, um, it's key for people to, you know, if you're going to do this stuff, if you miss a day here and there, miss a week, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Just pick up where you left off and get on with it. You know, Absolutely. I think we're too tough on ourselves at times.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm someone who does, once I get into a habit, I'm stuck in that habit, whether it's a good one or a bad one. Um, But I think it it is good to do it. And I definitely have noticed benefits from it of just being a bit more chilled, crises popping up and they just don't affect you as much as as, um, they would have. Or maybe that's just a bit more resilience from COVID. But the other thing I really like about this diary thing is that, you know, my kids are there while I'm writing it. And I, I love the thought of them in 20, 30 years when they're older, maybe I'm, well, it'll be, it'll last longer than 20 or 30 years, but in years to come, them looking back at, at oh, look look at what happened during COVID, look at how my dad was feeling and what he thought was good that day, and, you know, I like that sort of legacy that they'll be able to look back on,
0: and, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it will have an impact on them, because what they see, they repeat, Um, yeah. you know, and Mary tells a story often when we're on that, uh, you know, I remember her writing goals, and then she went into my Daughter's bedroom one day, and she had a little chalkboard and she had all these goals written out you know, about her dancing and different things. Um, she'll probably go mad if she thought I was telling that, but uh, it and plus she she watched me for years, not I don't know, inadvertently. I used to be a list person, everyone was written down on a list, yeah. And my daughter's the same now, she's got lists for this and lists for that. So, it does it like this? What they see, they, they repeat, and it puts them in, in a good place for adult life, so um, yeah uh yeah we talked about morning rituals what about motivation um what motivates you
1: so i mean i am i am quite an obsessional person so if i get into something that it it doesn't take much motivation for me to keep doing it as soon as that flick switch switch flicks in my head that i'm i'm into this thing then i'm all in and i'm just obsessing about it um which is good in a way but can be difficult in in other ways because you can't really switch off from it you're always thinking about it um but i think the big thing is is my kids you know i want I want them to obviously have a good life and for me to be there for it. I know I don't want to work 24 hours a day and only see them briefly or for our holidays to be interrupted because I'm constantly on the phone doing this and this. Um, I want to be there, have a good life for them, be able to go and do whatever we want, be there um, and also set a good example for them, you know, whether that's in terms of exercise, work ethic, um, being disruptive and not necessarily um, following the the general career path that people think you have right. to go to university and all that sort of thing. You know, I just I would like them to be happy, find something they like doing. And if they do it well enough, then people will pay them to do it. You know, yeah. and um, that, I think that's absolutely. the biggest thing.
0: What what about inspiration? Where do you draw your inspiration from? Who inspires you?
1: Uh, certainly Bill Woolsey. I mean he's like a he's like a tycoon, a baron in be- in Belfast and Northern yeah. Ireland in terms of, of his journey and his reach and brand. I think he's done unbelievable things for Belfast, and you know we talk about. I'm getting in at the start of service accommodation. Like he had mm-hmm. hotels open before anyone was coming here, yeah. so I think that that is that is a lot to 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 live up to there. Um, I I do like a lot of what Rob Moore has to say. I think he can be a bit brash and out there as well, but I do love I love most of his books, particularly Life Leverage. I think there's, there's some real yeah,
0: it's and, philosophy and of that you know. Money, money as well. Um, yeah. The- book he wrote money yeah exactly
1: even the fact that you have to spend money to make money it has to flow through you and that's again what what i was sort of thinking about you know even the coach you know coach isn't cheap but the the value you get from it and the you know the the uplift in your your ability to earn is massive it's it's an investment more than a cost
0: and and that's key there just what you say and i'm thinking back to what you said at the beginning like your parents doing all the jobs and you starting off to do all the jobs and no one else is getting a turn when you're doing all the cleaning and the meeting and greeting. And you do, you have to, money Money needs to flow um, right. and, and you need to you need to pay other people to do jobs so that somebody else will give you money to do something else. If you're trying to do everything yourself, there's no money flowing around because it's staying with you. And
1: and, and that's, that's a prime example because when I was managing my two, the thought of taking on their three was terrifying because I was swamped. I was completely right. swamped in terms of time yeah. and I only had two. So that completely limited my ability to grow, whereas now, well, pre-COVID, we were at 40, do you know what I mean? And if I was doing every job, it's just not sustainable, but yeah. we're, we're, we're paying money to get time back. You know, it's all about time. That's, that's ultimately the goal is to get time, your own time back and yeah. the ability to do whatever you want with it and not yeah. be at the behest of someone else and, and they're leveraging you. Your time.
0: Time, t- time in many ways is more important than money because you can always get more money but you can't yeah. get more time you know once a, once an hour's wasted it's gone you're never getting it back um, yeah. so in, in terms of you know being focused and driven and you know once you once you get into habit the habits that have got you to where you are today do you think they'll be the same ones that will get you where you want to go are you going to have to change as a person you know like what i mean is what got you here will it get you where you want to go to
1: yeah, I think so. Um, and you, know, they just they they change. So or they develop. So hard work is obviously what got me in the first yeah. place. You know, I was when yeah. I was working hard at cleaning and working hard at, at all these low level things. But you just left it out of cleaning and put it into sort of something else, marketing yeah. strategy. And that drive still is what's needed, and and it's, will still work. Um, trying to be innovative and disruptive again. You know, that's you can go way way back to. Um, me painting the door yellow and putting the chalkboard wall on and then you go a few steps forward and then it's me creating a business model where i'm not doing rent to rent i'm doing a management structure and you know i should say if if i was doing rent to rent through the pandemic i'd be out of business for sure and i think a lot of people who were maybe are out of business because having those high fixed costs just it would have just been that would have been it um so trying to be innovative that way um and even just stand out. So again, to look back, to try and stand out in those search results, I think it's important to try and stand out just as a business in general. Um, and that's why we're doing things like our videos, our sort of video content, um, and all the bits and pieces that we're trying to do, to just try and stand out there. And I think that's how you get noticed, hopefully yeah. by future clients that want to trust us with their properties and they can come into our brand and feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm really gonna, be, my property is really gonna be looked after here. and um, as opposed to if I was to just start start myself. Um, so I think so. I mean, it's all I know. I I mean, things I've had to try and stop doing is working too late in the evening. So I have to stop myself doing that and you know work hard at that because it's easy to just let's just check one email here at seven o'clock and before you know it it's half ten. Um, and that's important to realize as well. Like nothing is so important that it can't wait until the next day. So. Yeah. Again, from a it's from a Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. The one one that really sticks with me is focused on the important but not urgent things. So, in our day to day lives, we're 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 normally just focusing on the urgent things, even if they're not important. Um, yeah. But where the real growth and value comes is from the important things that aren't urgent, because they always just get put to the put last, put down the pile. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing I I focus on. Try and focus on every day is to to not get swept into the oh my god this is urgent but to say right okay i'll deal with that in a bit but this is more important even though it's not urgent because that's where the real development comes so
0: you need to switch off is what you're saying
1: switch off yeah a little bit
0: earlier in the evening
1: yeah and it's hard it's hard as as a business owner or you know anyone that's sort of um business it's hard to switch off when the buck stops with you and you know, like you went back to the start, said all the sharks out there. You know, there's people coming to get you. You know, so you have to keep moving. You have to keep innovating and changing. So it can be hard to switch off from that.
0: Yeah, you have to be different. I think that's one of the key things that's, you know, flowing through this whole interview. Is you know, if you want, if you want to make more money than someone else, you have to be different from them. You have to keep have to keep coming up with new ideas and and, yep. and new ways of appealing to people. Um. Okay, just the last couple of questions, Dave, just random type questions. Uh, What's your go-to order at your favourite restaurant? (laughs) It's awful to ask. It's during lockdown, everywhere's
1: closed. Um, Well, that's that's true. What's your favourite takeaway order, (laughs) I suppose? Well, no, I'll tell you my favourite go-to restaurant. My favourite restaurant at the minute is Hugo um it's yeah. like an Asian I absolutely love that there's two that of them one, Wellington one, place in Belfast there's one yeah just to the side of the city hall and then there's another yeah room. down,
0: down the, the sort of the little laneway we're done yeah. side door yeah yeah
1: so they do these they do these steamed dumplings and they are just amazing so during the last lockdown they were delivering or not delivering they were doing pickup uh, and you could go and pick it up we were picking it up from east and it was amazing um But this lockdown, they're not doing that. So they're doing the cook at home thing. So we did that for Valentine's Day, cook at home. But the steamed dumplings weren't in it. (laughs) So, But that's the first place I'm going whenever everywhere's open again.
0: Yeah, we've been there before. Very nice. Um, I do. I like dumplings and dim sums and stuff like that. Um, Is there anything you're curious about right now in terms of business, personal? Um, Yeah,
1: so at the minute we're as I say, we're doing the videos. So it's something that I'm really looking into more and more. Obviously, I'm in most of them, but I'm always thinking about different ways to do them and different platforms to put them on. So we've got a YouTube channel and we're starting to put them, got them on uh, Reels, on Instagram. And even YouTube has this new thing called YouTube Shorts, which um, gets a lot more um, traction than their normal videos. So really about trying to develop that side and try and be that sort of go-to Um, go-to company go-to person for tourism in Belfast to sort of have a voice and be able to speak up about the city that I'm really passionate about.
0: And is that where you your future is in Belfast you're not going to move outside of Belfast take on anything else just keep it where you can manage it?
1: Well I mean the the goal is to cement Belfast but I was careful when I chose to company name that you could substitute belfast with any other city so mm-hmm. if there are other opportunities that were to come up then absolutely and you know a sort of a franchisee sort of thing is something that i have considered um, but that's maybe down the line mm-hmm. um, because we've got all the systems they're all good to go you know there's nothing to stop us just plugging and playing into a different city um if there was someone there who, who knew that city a bit more than us but just needed a go-to so- guide of how to do it
0: yeah. So what, what's your top three tips for anybody in serviced accommodation, apart from bring them to you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> top three tips. Um, good photography yeah. for, your, for your properties, because that is, that is your advert. You know, whenever people are scrolling through on the search results, it's the photos that they look at before the price. So good photography is unbelievable, unbelievably important. Um, doing it on your phone is not good enough. Doing it, If your mate has a camera, a professional camera, that's still not good enough. You need a professional photographer to do it. Yeah. Um, so good photography is definitely one thing. Invest the money at the start to get the right property. Don't yeah. don't say, oh, I can get this property in the slum, in the, in the ghetto that's like 60 grand and I'll just spend loads of money inside. No, it's not gonna work. Yeah. Invest the money at the start to get the right property. Um, and that's whenever you can do a, a refurb and it'll just it'll pay dividends so much, so much more going forward.
0: I think that, that was back to the you know, buying the worst house in the best street, because you can tidy up the house, you can't tidy up the rest of the street. So buy in a place where you can again it's back to control and what you can control.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: and thirdly, I, is, thirdly, then Dave.
1: Thirdly, I would say leverage i mean what we talked about before so don't think that you can do it all yourself don't think that it's easy um well you can do it all yourself but you won't have a life you'll have a job um and leverage is what enables you enables us all to grow um to 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 get real sort of passive income and
0: plus you know when you're doing everything yourself it gets harder to grow the business
1: and you know if you're doing everything yourself
0: if you do grow the business you know, like 10 or 20%, your life just gets worse because... Yeah, you know, and you'll hate it.
1: And your yeah. family will hate it. because You know, you'll be at birthday parties and, you're, and your phone will be ringing. You'll have to go for some emergency. So it's not worth it. Um, the yeah. money is not worth dedicating 24 hours of your day to, um, to one thing. So you need to leverage and get your time back because the time is the most important thing.
0: Good stuff. And last but not least, Dave, we've been going an hour now, so... It's just flowing by, and lots of lots of good stuff there for people that are um, uh, thinking about serviced accommodation or have serviced accommodation and, and don't want the you know the the hassle of running it themselves. And, and there are plenty of people out there, or people that have gone into the, the, the long term rental market and are thinking of getting back into um, uh, serviced accommodation. Plenty of information there. Is there is there anything I should have asked you but I didn't?
1: I don't know. <laughs> uh no i can't think of anything i wish i had i wish i had something good, good that i could say there to be like well you should <laughs> no, <know." laughs>
0: listen, don't, don't worry about it um maybe that means i asked you everything that i should have done so
1: yeah have you anything asked me dave uh no i don't think so is there any plans for the the property mate to to go back to yeah well
0: as as soon as we can um you know we probably during that sort of time that we were open again you know we we actually run some workshops but you're in that big room that can hold 100 to 120 people uh, and we were allowed 30 people in it so from a property meet point of view it just wouldn't work with those kind of numbers because you're still paying the same price for teas and coffees and room hire and stuff like that so having 30 people in it just wouldn't work um, so, unfortunately, we're going to have to wait till we can uh, get the numbers that, that, to at least break even. And it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't work from that point of view. But, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. And so are a lot of people. You know, online's online. But, you know, last night I was on a, a virtual wine tasting thing and everybody's there and everybody's uh, microphones were on mute and people were talking over you know, it's it's harder to control or a, a Zoom room full of people when everybody's uh, able to talk when they want to, and um, yeah. yeah, it's it's just I look forward to getting back to. You know, we had I think the one of the nights we had 140 people in the room, um, which is probably 20 people too many, but there we go. Uh, <laughs> you know, we were we were averaging 110, 115 people for the last six months before the lockdown, and it would be nice to get back there because. Uh, you know, it, it, you, you just can't beat meeting up with people. You know, yeah. meeting people on Zoom is okay, but meeting people face-to-face, it's... And it's, even
1: those wee, those wee um, side interactions, you know, just when you're networking informally yeah. at the start, you can't beat that unless... Or at the break. Relationships or relationships are made.
0: Even, the, you know, going, going to the bar afterwards for a couple of drinks and, you know, there's at times there was 25 or 30 people, you know, hanging around afterwards just for, for a bit of a chat and exchanging phone numbers. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can't beat that. But, you know, as you as you said earlier, there's light at the end of the tunnel and I wouldn't say that we'll be back in a packed room maybe until the end of summer, maybe the autumn time. Um, but there we go. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that day. Yeah, me too. Dave... It's been a pleasure, really enjoyed that. Lots of good stuff there. Uh, So, listen, thanks
1: very much. Thank you for having me on.